Before we get into today's episode, one thing that we're going to start doing on the podcast is shouting out you all. We are just overwhelmed with joy and gratitude when it comes to you being part of this community. And we want to thank you. So one thing that we're going to be doing is, again, shouting out people from across the globe. So today I wanted to shout out, if you're listening from the small nation of Brunei, thank you so much for listening. If you're listening in Bethel, Ohio, Los Animas, Colorado, or Brown's Summit, North Carolina, thank you so much for listening. We so appreciate each and every one of you. And also... Next week, we are going to have available a form that you can fill out. If you have a question for myself or for Katie or for both of us or anything podcast related, you can fill out that form. You can select to be anonymous, or if you want your name shouted out, there is a place where you can fill out your name as well. And we will ask the question on the podcast and we will also answer the question on the podcast. So that form, like I said, will be available in a few days next week on Monday. So look out for that. It'll be included in the show notes from here on out. We look forward to your questions. And again, we thank you so much for being here. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kitchens. I'm a plant-based registered dietitian and virtual nutrition mentor. I was raised on an Angus cattle farm, grew up with a lot of GI issues, and used the power of plant-based eating to promote healing. Here you'll find inspiration, ideas, and encouragement for your own plant-based journey. I'm so thrilled you're here today. Let's get started. Welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. My name is Ashley. I'm a plant-based registered dietitian, and I'm so excited you're here today. I don't know about you, but I like to, I don't know, nerd out over like different types of professions and what they do and their areas of expertise. So today I brought on an Instagram friend, Dr. Blanchett on the show. She is a podiatrist originally from Canada, but she's living, she's been living in the States for 10 years. She did her residency in the Bronx and she's been practicing in New Jersey since she graduated and recently opened up her own podiatry office. And we were talking on social media and she was saying like, Ashley, you know, nutrition plays such a large role in foot health. And we were talking about uh, type two diabetes, diabetes in general, gout. And so we decided to bring her on the show and we talked about so many things. I told her at the end, I was like, Dr. Blanche, I could ask you so many more questions because as you know, feet are so important. And one thing that she said towards the end of our interview was that you don't realize how important your feet are until they start hurting. And I was like, you know, that just reigns so true. And I was even thinking about our own health. You don't know how valuable your health is until you're sick or until some so something happens. And even like, even just with like the common cold, you know, when you're really feeling crummy, it's like, after you recover from that, it's like, oh my goodness, I feel so much better. You have like, like this new zest for life. And so we covered a lot in our conversation today. In 2018, Dr. Blanchett learned about plant-based eating and she herself has been mostly plant-based at home since it was, and she says this in our interview, it was one of the best decisions of her life. And we talked about how, I don't want to give too much away, but there's just so much, so much good stuff here. We talked about how as a practitioner myself and even her being a podiatrist, how what we used to say how we used to educate patients before we went plant-based differs pretty greatly 
than now after becoming plant-based. She believes strongly in a plant-based diet and that does have an impact and can help her patients who suffer from diabetes, gout, weight management, all of these things to help decrease the load on their lower extremities and to promote overall better foot health. She likes giving them information and encouraging them to eat more plant-based foods to help reduce their animal product consumption. So like I said, we talk about diabetes, we talk about gout, what it is, we talk about athlete's foot, we talk about bunions, we talk about all these things that we see on social media to like correct bunions and foot spacers and all these things. Are they really necessary? We talk about plantar fasciitis um, and the common things that she recommends to help treat it. So so much great information here. And we also talk about how nutrition plays a role in foot health. So you can tell I'm really excited about this and I could go on, but I want to let Dr. Blanchett take over and share her story with you and talk all about foot related health. So please join me in welcoming to the show, Dr. Blanchett. Welcome to the show, Dr. Blanchett. Thank you so much. I am so excited to talk about all things podiatry because you are our first podiatrist that we've ever had on the show. And I know people are curious about what a podiatrist does. When should I go see a podiatrist? Like all those things. So before we get into all those great details, can you give us a little background on who you are and what you do? Yes. So um, my name is Marie Blanchett. I'm a podiatrist in New Jersey. Um, So I'm originally from Canada. And then um, I did my podiatry school over there and I graduated in 2009 and then I worked over there for a year, but I really wanted to do surgery. So in order to do surgery, I had to do residency, but we don't have residency in Canada. So I had to come here to do, to redo the last year of podiatry school that I did in New York. And then after that, I was able to get my American diploma and then to um, go do my boards and then um, do a residency. So I did residency for three years in Canada and I, in Canada, I'm sorry, in the Bronx. Um, and then my goal was always to go back to Canada. And then I met my husband, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's a podiatrist. Um, so and we got married, and then we moved to New Jersey. So I've been here since um, since uh, for all this time. Wow. And then um, so basically, I'm like triple board certified because I'm a little bit of an overachiever sometimes. So I'm certified in uh, the American Board of Podiatric Medicine, the American Board of Clinical Surgeons, and then the American Board of uh, Wound Management. Wow. So a little bit of everything. <laughs> yes, definitely a little bit of everything. And I didn't know that your husband was also a podiatrist as well. Yeah, he is. Yeah, we don't work together. So, okay. Um, yeah, so he was working in the hospital when we met, when I was a, a resident. And then, so he used to, come to, he was working in the Bronx for a little bit more time. He just recently actually like retired from the Bronx. And then, so he works at the VA in Brooklyn. And then I had, I just opened my office here in Mountainside in New Jersey about six months ago. So what, what, what led you to become a podiatrist? Cause that's definitely a specialty. Like, well, yeah. What, what was that journey like? In my hometown, we didn't have any podiatry. So podiatrist, and I was working at a pharmacy. First of all, my feet were hurting me because I was always on my feet. So my heels were hurting. Hurting. Yeah. And then I would see like all these like older people coming and buying like little padding for hammer tools and things like that. So I'm like, there's a need for, you know, a podiatrist. I was like, you know, I'm going to go and then be a podiatrist and I'm going to come back to my hometown, which I didn't do because <laughs> 15 hours away. But at some point, I'm going to do something over there. But yeah, so that's that. That's kind of like my story. That's how I learned about podiatry. And I didn't know about podiatry either before because we didn't have one in my, right. in my hometown. But then uh, I kind of, you know, just learn more and more about it. And then I just became in love with the the whole profession. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell that you're really passionate about it too. And even on your Instagram, you can tell that you love what you do. Um, and so many people suffer from poor foot health or pain in their feet. Um, and I know that you talk about that a lot, especially on social media, but can you kind of give us an explanation of like what a podiatrist does, maybe some common things that you see or treat? Yeah. So what I like about podiatry is that, so it's never routine. So I can help somebody for like you know heel pain which is like super common like plantar fasciitis or something like that so i can you know like help them with like doing orthotics Uh, we can do x-rays make sure everything you know nothing is broken i can also do surgeries um you know let's say like somebody comes with an ankle fracture or like a foot fracture or like a bunion or hammer toe so like that needs you know that don't respond to conservative treatment so then we can go ahead and do surgery and then i can also help people with diabetes so people with diabetes there's kind of like two uh class there's the one that already have issues. So either have ulcers or have amputations. So then we have to make sure that, you know, we're keeping their feet in that state. And there's other one that you want to try to prevent to go into that other class. So then, you know, let's say like some of them that already have neuropathy or bad circulation that are going to need their toenail strings and things like that. So that that's something that I can do and then like educate them and then giving them diabetic shoes and then inserts to like decrease the, the pressure and then kind of prevent um, and then, meanwhile, you know, I can, like I said, like do orthotics. I can work with kids. I can work with adults. I can work with elderly. So it's never, it's never routine. That's what I love about the profession. What are some common things that maybe affect foot health? Like you mentioned diabetes. I know there's other things too, but what are maybe some common things that you see where people come in and maybe just explain yeah, yeah what you see? Yeah. So there's two things. So, um, you know, diabetes is, you know, a big one, you know, because what happens with diabetes needs. Some people know, some people don't know. So here goes a little bit of education. So what can happen with diabetes? There's a few different things. So first of all, um, when you're diabetic for a long time, for about like 15 years, sometimes earlier, if the people were not um, well managed, you can start to have neuropathy. So basically, it's the nerves that like, you know, in the, usually it starts at the extremities. So like in the toes, um, they start to not function anymore. And then um, people don't feel their feet. So they don't know if their shoes are too tight. They don't know if they have a rock in their shoe. They don't know anything. If they have a hammer toe and they have rocks on their shoe, they have no idea. So then let's say like they're going to remove their shoes at the end of the day and they're going to see blood on the sock. And they're going to be like, what's happening? And it's because they don't have sensation in their feet. So that's a big, that's a big one. There's also, everybody seems to know the name, but don't necessarily know what it is. It's gout. <laughs> so yes. every time, every time there's somebody saying like they have pain in their big toe, like oh it's a gout and like you know a lot of, I mean sometimes yes it is but sometimes also it's something different which is like arthritis of the big toe and then that can be due to also like the let's say people with flat feet or something like that that whenever they're stand up their foot collapses down and then the, the big toe joint doesn't work as well anymore so then it, it rubs up the cartilage it's wear and tear similar to your car if your tires are not balanced you can still drive your car, but if you continue driving it, driving, driving it, at some point it's going to erode stuff in the wrong way. So it's similar with the feet also. So if your foundation is wrong, well, the more you can use it, but then the more you use it, you can still have, you can have issues at some point. So with diabetes, so I, I looked up some statistics because it's always changing in like how many people have it. But um, according to the CDC, one in 10 Americans have diabetes and that includes both type one and type two. 
out of those one in 10, 90 to 95% of them have type two diabetes. And then one in three American adults have prediabetes. So this is a big deal. I know for people listening, maybe you know someone who has diabetes, or maybe you know someone who has gone as far as having an amputation because of all these side effects that they're experiencing. So how can, so what you were saying basically is when you have diabetes, some people do develop neuropathy where they can't feel things in their extremities like their feet. And so it sounds like because of that, then they come to see you because, you know, they don't know what's going on or they, maybe they can't even feel their feet. And so they're seeking help from you because I know that you're also passionate about nutrition. How can nutrition kind of play a role in that as well? So I think it can really help. So oftentimes when I'm going to have patients that are diabetics, I'm going to talk to them also about nutrition. And then it's, it's really tricky sometimes because they hear like so many different things. You know, yeah. they're like, they hear that, you know, carbs are bad and they, they just want to eat more protein. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to kind of like explain to them, you're not just eating, let's say if you're eating meat, right? You're not just eating protein, you're eating the saturated fat and everything that makes you sick. It was in What the Health, I think. They were talking about like comparing, you know, like the herbivores and then the carnivores and then how their GI tract is different and then how the carnivores GI tract is so short so then basically they eat all that stuff that junk and then they don't absorb a lot of it because it's kind of like in and out really quickly but in a herbivore well it would have time you know the, the GI tract is such so long and convoluted and then ours is kind of similar to that more mm-hmm. than the other and then I'm like so when you eat all the you know the, the red meat and all those things I mean you're your body has time to absorb all the cholesterol, the fat, and all those things, and then deposit in your tissue, and then it makes your insulin receptor less sensitive to insulin, and then you become insulin resistant, and then it's you know it's kind of like the whole process of diabetes, and then so it's but it's kind of it's difficult because they just think all right I need to eat more chicken and whatever and you know less potatoes, and I'm like actually potatoes are not that bad. <laughs> There's even there's some protein and there's there's some there's some carbs, but it's, it's good carbs. And I tried to explain to them that you know our body wants glucose. I know I was just talking to someone recently who their A1C is gradually creeping up, which she's not a client of mine. Um, but she was saying she's like, yeah, I know I need to avoid carbs, pasta, bread, fruit, and I'm like, no, like I'm like unlearn what we've been taught for like so many years. Like that's such archaic advice. You know, things have really changed in the past decade and what we know about diabetes and how to manage it. And diet can play such a strong role in kind of warding off or slowing the progression of maybe some of the symptoms that you develop with diabetes and potentially even reverse some of the Exactly. Yeah. And it's so exciting. And then who wouldn't want to like try to get off some a couple of medications, you know? Right. You're taking medication for something that, you know, if you would change what's on your fork, every meal, well, it's going to change, you know, some diseases. It's going to improve your health overall. Yeah. Well, and I think the same is kind of with gout, which I think is helpful for people to understand. Gout is like a painful form of arthritis, right? Which occurs... I, t- I made sure I like had this correct because gout is like really confusing. I feel like it's yeah. when there's high levels of uric acid in the blood and that kind of causes like these crystals to form around the joints. And that's where people get this like red, painful inflammation. Exactly. So most of the time it's in the big toe joints. And then the, one of the reason that it's that we think that this is happening is because it's far from the from it's at the extremity. It's kind of like the, the furthest where you can be from the heart and from your body. So the temperature is cooler there. So then it increases the precipitation of uric acid. So it becomes 
you know, it created those like sharp crystals in your joints. And that creates like this whole like inflammation uh, cascade that happens. Then you can give some anti-inflammatories and then, you know, you kind of like calm it down. Um, And then that's why actually to use ice on gout is not recommended (laughs) because you can kind of like, you know, make, make things worse. So it's really just, you know, kind of medication managing it. And then it takes, you know, acute gouty attack can take, I know, a few days to like a week to a couple of weeks to get better. Um, And it's really painful, you know, like the sheet of the, like bed sheet, basically, like just the weight of that is like really painful for patients. They come in sometimes wearing crutches, like the, you're in a lot of discomfort for sure. And then, you know, a lot of it also is related to, to diet. So basically it's the, is the degradation of purines, which there's a lot of purines in, let's say, seafoods, in uh, red meats, in organ meats, and things like that. And then let's say for, you know, people that are drinking more like soda or like um, sweetened drinks or even beer, they're going to also have more chance of having gout attacks. So then whenever there's somebody that comes with that issue, so then I, you know, tell them about the nutrition behind it and how to try to avoid that. Yeah. Because, you know, like we're talking about medication earlier. So, you know, medication are really good and important and everything like that. But like, so for gout, usually you don't start taking medication. Because if you only have one gout attack, well, you're not going to start medication right away. You're going to try diet-wise to decrease your uric acid uh, intake or like, you know, your purine intake. And then more than two or three a year, or if you have TOFI, which is basically a deposit of uric acid in the tissue. So then it can be like, you know, like in the joint or it can be like in, you know, like the, around the elbow, around the Achilles tendon. I've seen that often. So like people come with us those lumps of like uric acid. So then you would start medication even if there's no like regular gouty attack because, you know, you're... You just have so much in your body, just kind of like deposit everywhere. But otherwise, you know, let's say if you have the first gouty attack, so then I'm strongly, strongly going to recommend to change diet. Sometimes also see like a nutritionist to kind of, you know, help people navigate all those, you know, those foods. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask some kind of like random questions because you are a podiatrist and an expert in this area. I know a lot of people do have questions about, let's say, for example, you had a real, this was a little while ago talking about wearing or not wearing high heels all the time. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, So (laughs) high heels are, they're nice. They're pretty, make you, you know, they're pretty, they make your leg look like sexy and things like that. And then make you feel more confident. And then I'm okay with wearing them in like an event or something like that. But it's not something I recommend to wear every day because wearing them every day can cause a lot of issues. Over time, it's going to shorten the Achilles tendon. And then so that can lead to, you know, plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, basically inflammation at the bottom of the, you know, the foot or like in the Achilles tendon. It can also lead to neuroma. So oh, you're always on the on the point of your foot so then you can have issues on the bottom here so there's two little bones here sesamoid bones but they can get inflamed because you know they're tiny tiny little bones and then you always like boom 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 like walking on them so a lot of people come to see me wearing heels and then they have sesamoiditis they have also metatarsalgia which is inflammation of the all the metatarsal heads basically and then you can also have neuroma which is an inflammation of a nerve that goes in between these two bones here the metatarsals and then that's really painful and then just by decreasing the heel would make a big difference so like kind of like would help preventing those issues and then also i feel like um you know like whenever you've been using heels for a long time and then you already have some accommodation from like uh some changes in let's say your achilles and then from that it's hard to 
go back to decrease it, you have to go slowly because you're tight. You're going to have to do a lot of stretching. You're going to have to do a lot of things to kind of like wean off of your heels. So how about just using them on events and things like that? Let's say like I have patients, sometimes they have, uh, you know, they're in the office. Like, I'm like, you know, when you have a presentation or something, just wear your heels, it's fine. But then maybe not wearing them all the time. And for those of you who are listening, um, Dr. Blanchett brought out her, what would you call it? Like a, a foot? A, My foot model. Yeah, foot model. <laughs> <laughs> so she was showing us what that looked like. So for you watching, you can see that. But for you listening, you couldn't. And it was really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So there are a lot of like things out there. I know we get ads for stuff all the time on social media or just wherever. What do you think about like toe separators, for example, like walking around barefoot, trying to like separate your toes, all that stuff? Yeah. So I don't know, like, so I think it's good for some people. I'm not necessarily a proponent of barefoot walking, running, blah, 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 all those things. I think it's good to have a shoe that's wide enough at the toe box. So then you have, you know, space for your toes and things like that. But the thing with that is that, you know, maybe like I said, it's good for some people, but for some other people, it's actually going to cause a lot of issues, not necessarily the toe separator, but like the barefoot walking and running and things like that. I see some people sometimes they come in and they have like super flexible feet. Like, you know, like just with my hand, I'm like moving their feet and it's like a bag of bones that blow up. So when they stand up, it just collapses down completely. And sometimes they're like, what type of exercise can I do to make it better? And I'm like, nothing really. Unfortunately, I mean, even if you strengthen your muscle and things like that, it's not going to fix your ligaments. Mm. You can't strengthen your ligaments. Your ligaments are your ligaments. This is just how it is. Even if you take supplements or if you do all those things, it's not going to work. So then we're going to put an orthotic. We're going to put something inside your shoes to make your joints align a little bit more better. So then that's going to make you feel much better than, you know, just kind of like trying on your own. Because, you know, people see like those things and then they just, they're at home and then they try all those things. And then sometimes they come and see me and they're like, oh, orthotics are bad because they're going to weaken my feet. And I'm like... Well, not really. There's studies showing that actually some of the muscles are working better when you have an orthotic. So it's not a it's not a cookie cutter. You know, it works for some people, but for some other people, actually, it can make it worse. <laughs> so yeah. um, I like those separator. You know, like I mean, there's those that you were talking about, like the one that goes like everywhere. I don't really uh-huh. recommend them, but I like it. You know, there's some single toe separator that you can use uh, for people that have hammer toes and have like sometimes a corn like in between. So then if they can come, I can shave it, put that in between. And then that's going to decrease the pressure. And then also like, you know, have shoes that are um, not as wide. And that's going to help. That I'm like all about it. I have tons of toe separator in my drawers and I just give them to patients. And then let's say if that doesn't work, so we can do surgery or something like that. But yep. that's one of yeah, that's one of them, um, the toe separator. There's also like, a, I don't know if you've seen it, the, the bunion corrector. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, you know, you put it on and then you just crank it up and then boom, your bunion is it's gone. Yep. Well, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Unfortunately, it would be awesome. But um, once the bunion is there, the only thing that makes it go away is surgery. Do Am I saying that every bunion needs surgery? No. It just depends if you have discomfort or if you can't, let's say you have, your bunion is big enough that you can't wear shoes. So then, yes, we're talking about surgery. But then otherwise, you know, sometimes just to use an orthotic again, put in the shoes and then to kind of like adjust those those pressure those pressure points or like you know the the, the fact that the the, the first metatarsal phalangeal joint like the between the at the ball of the foot basically this doesn't work well doesn't function well so then if you have an orthotic and then it makes this function better so then sometimes it can help to slow down the progression of the bunion it doesn't reverse it even orthotics do. even i can't reverse it 
Um, but then, you know, otherwise those little like splints and stuff like that, they can be fine. They can be like, you know, I don't know, like if you have a big bunion, then you can just use it at nighttime or something like that. It can stretch the soft tissue, but then it's not going to make the bunion go. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. And I think that's helpful because there are some pretty like, oh, that ad, you know, it looks like it really works, but you know, it's someone like you, we need people like you that are like, no, we need like experts. Are you frozen? Oh, sorry. It was cutting. So I've been like, oh, that's okay. I was like, you're not moving. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, we need experts like you kind of telling us what is like, what's fake and what's real, like what's actually going to work versus what's not. And that, that goes for nutrition as well. Like there's so many of these like things out there that like so enticing. It's like, Oh, that's like the magic, you know, bullet. Um, so yeah, but they're not two other things really quick. Do you have to be an athlete to get athletes? foot? I know you talked about that on your social media. So I guess go ahead and answer that. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, you don't. What's athlete's foot? So athlete's foot, the, the scientific term is called tinea pedis, meaning that there's a fungus that is having a lot of fun between your toes or like, you know, on the bottom of your of your foot or something like that. So, and then what fungus like, they like warm, humidity and dark. So you can imagine that in a shoe, in a sock, between the toes, it's just a perfect environment for them. Um, so, and then that's why it's athlete's foot, you know, because athletes, they tend to, you know, run, exercise and everything like that. And then they're, you know, be more sweaty and then that, you know, can happen, but it's not just for um, for athletes, no. It can be for everybody. <laughs> and then, um, you know, to to use some antifungal medication, like to come to the doctor, use antifungal medication. Usually I'm going to recommend also patients to wear, um, you know, like to change their socks if they feel wet or like to use antiperspirant and then things like that. And then it's really important to treat it. That same fungus can go underneath the nail and then cause fungus on the nail. So that's onychomycosis. And then that's uh, just a little harder to treat. Um, Real quickly too, because a lot of people do get plantar fasciitis, whether they're athletes or I'm sure I'm in the athlete space a lot. So I hear about plantar fasciitis a lot and I've had it myself um, before a couple of times. What are some of like maybe your go-to recommendations in helping treat plantar fasciitis? So the first, so the first three things, every time I have patients that come with like let's say heel pain or arch pain in, the, in my office those are the things that i do so you know at first of all i talk to them make sure you know like see their symptoms a lot of time they're gonna have pain like either with activities or also sometimes like in the morning uh, or like after a period of rest so that's called post-static dyskinesia so when you're resting and you get up and, and you're like oh my god i can't walk because you know my heel or like something is hurting so this is kind of like a telltale sign that this is most likely plantar fasciitis. Then, you know, like I, you know, palpate um, their feet, make sure that, you know, this is the, the issue. Also take an x-ray to make sure that to rule out everything else. And then if this is really plantar fasciitis, the three things that I recommend usually, so the first of all, the first one is to stretch the calf muscle. So um, because the more you stretch your calf muscle, the less pressure goes on the bottom of the foot. So, and then I recommend a lot of stretching. Because I've seen um, research in the past that we're saying that you need to stretch for about like three minutes in order to really change something, you know, um, lengthwise. So usually I do one minute per foot, three reps, and then to do that a couple times a day. So anyway, so stretching is really important. Um, the second one is to add support. So basically, plantar fasciitis, it's an inflammation of the plantar fascia, which is like a structure. Sorry for, again, for those that are not watching, but I'm going to use my hand. Um, so basically you have an arch right on your foot and then you have the plantar fascia. It's a pl- like picture of rubber band starting from the heel here going at the front of your foot. So every time that you're standing up and then let's say your foot is collapsing down a little bit, well, it's always pulling on that rubber band. 
And then at some point, that rubber band becomes tired and then, you know, needs some help. So if you put something in here that prevents this motion, so then you're going to have a lot of, you know, you're going to be able to kind of like repair your foot as you're standing up, also as you're walking, doing your activities. And then the last one is to decrease the inflammation. So decreasing the inflammation can be different ways. So it can be just with ice. You know, you can take a bottle of water, put it in the freezer, and then put it on the floor, and then you can roll your foot on it. So it massages it and decreases the inflammation at the same time. Um, there's some anti-inflammatory that you can take orally. Um, there's also other treatment like a cortisone injection. Um, there's laser. So all those things kind of help decrease the inflammation. So usually if you just do, let's say I have patients, sometimes they go and they just get an injection. And then they're like, oh, it feels much better. And I'm like, yeah, but like you're not, this is a Band-Aid. You're not correcting yeah. the cause. The cause is the other two things that we talked about. This is kind of like to improve this a little bit faster. So this is kind of like usually the first visit. And then like when they come back, if they're better, well, we continue with this. Sometimes we do like custom molded orthotics, sometimes just some arch support. Then let's say like sometimes we add like physical therapy and like other things also. But like my three main things is those those three things that I just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Hopefully that's helpful for anyone listening too. Cause I know that it's, it's fairly common and that can have a massive impact on just how you feel waking up in the morning, walking around all those things. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, it, it happens like to anybody it can be. Yeah. And then like, sometimes also I feel bad. So just to get, kind of like loop back on nutrition also, there's people sometimes they come in and then they're like, you know, they, they want to lose weight. They're like, mm. you know, they're overweight it happens a lot in america i mean in a lot of countries also but like in america i feel like even more yeah um, and then they they come in and they're like you know i want to lose weight i've been trying to like walk more exercise blah 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 but like now my heel is killing me and i'm like yeah i feel so bad and then i'm like you know telling them those things i just mentioned but i'm like yeah another thing also that i'm gonna recommend is gonna be weight management and then that's when i kind of like touch base on like um plant-based nutrition because, you know, it can help also with decreasing pounds and the heavier you are, the more pressure on the, on the bottom of the foot. So then I tell them, I'm like, yes, I know you're trying to exercise and then you can because of your feet. But in the meantime, you can change a little something every time that you're eating and then you're going to decrease your weight and then that's going to help you at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That has to be so discouraging though, when someone's coming in and they're trying to walk more and just be more active and then their feet are hurting and they can't do that. Or it's like inhibiting them from doing that. Oh, exactly. exactly. So yeah. That's why. And I kind of, you know, I always like, you know, super like, I don't know. Um, I want to like, I listen to my patient. I try to like help them the most as I can. And then a lot of people are actually, you know, like happy that I'm, it's a little bit more like a holistic approach, you know, yeah. that, like, it's like, yes, I can do this for your feet, but then there's also your overall health. You know, you can change some things by doing those steps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that sets you apart from a lot of other physicians, doctors is the listening piece, which is so important, especially for those of us who go in to see a doctor. I mean, that's when you're, when you feel like you're being heard, that just makes the world a difference. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage to go to doctors. Yeah. You know, you know, the white coat, the, the office, everything, it's intimidating. So then, yeah it takes a lot for people to come to the doctor. So like if, if, you know, they're not heard and then they don't feel like they're, you know, helped, that's, you know, you're even less inclined to go to the doctors in the future. So yeah, I can't yeah. avoid that. I like the relationship that I get with my patients. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's so wonderful. I appreciate you sharing that. So if anyone is in the New Jersey area, maybe they want to travel yeah. to New Jersey to see you. Um, 
where where is kind of the best place for them to connect with you or connect with your practice? Yeah, so I have a, so I'm on Instagram. This is you know how I met you also. Yes. Um, so my handle is at comp for comprehensive. So C O M P foot and ankle care. It's really long, but like I did it at the beginning anyway. So yep. um, or looking my name. So um, Mireille Blanchett. It's M I R E I L L E Blanchett. Like Kate Blanchett, <laughs> um, and then otherwise, uh, my the phone for my office is nine zero eight seven nine three eight four five four, and I'm located in uh, in Mountainside, so we're in Union County in New Jersey, and then um, we have a beautifully renovated office. I'm very proud of it. Everybody comes there, and then they like. I feel like it's a part of the healing. Also, when you come to a place, and then everything looks nice, it it's just makes the whole experience much better. Yes. Much more welcoming than like, like you said, feeling like maybe it's like cold and you don't want to be there. Exactly. And then yeah. I have a website. It's comprehensive and ankle care. All spelled out.com. Wonderful. We'll include all those links in the show notes. And I do recommend at the very least giving Dr. Blanchett a follow because you do share just a lot of helpful tips when it comes to foot care. Um, I was watching a reel recently where you're like showing how to make sure that like the shoe that you're wearing is correct, whether you take out the insole or whether you draw on a piece of paper. So just like helpful tips like that, that you really don't think about. Um, but our feet are so important. So yeah, it's important to take care of them. So many patients, they come and see me and they're like, they're like, you know, you realize how important your feet are when they start hurting. And it's yeah. true. Yep. Yeah. That's so true. So true. Well, thank you, Dr. Blanchett, for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom, all things podiatry. Appreciate you. This was really fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you. Until next time, keep thriving.